everyone, and welcome to the extras. My name is Mike, and I am Sam, and we are here to answer your fabulous questions from the Book of Romans. We have been having a great time as a church going through this wonderful book of the Bible. Uh, some great challenges um, and some great comfort as well. Um, Sam, you asked the question on Sunday. You know, um, who are we trying to share the gospel with, and, and why are we ashamed at times? And uh, how did Romans help us with those questions? Yeah, well, Romans, the, this, these verses that we looked at on Sunday, verses 14 to 17, um, Paul is laying out for us um, his boldness re- regarding the gospel. Um, he, he talks about it, from, he says he's eager, he says he's obligated, he says he's not ashamed. These are Paul's I am's. I mean, I've heard of Jesus' I am's. Yeah, and, that's you know, right. I that's am right. the bread of life, I am the resurrection. Yeah. These are Paul's three I am's, is I it am. right? That's right. They're all about the gospel and uh, his his um, confidence in it. And uh, we, we were talking about um, I, I, the, the, the task that we have of sharing the gospel com- coming from a place of conviction. Um, yeah. yeah, conviction around... Uh, the power of God in the gospel, conviction around what the gospel does, what the gospel message does for people in terms of revealing that righteousness of God, that deep-seated need that we have. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a thrilling thought, that, that the gospel is, is God's power and everything that one needs to be made right with God is there. And uh, I guess the goal was to, to give people the, the conviction, the, the assurance that the gospel works and therefore um, that that functions as the uh, the fuel in our tank the the motivation mm. to get out there and to um, be unashamedly bold for the gospel I mean I was reminding reminded Sam on Sunday night just how important convictions are what what you believe will affect the way you behave absolutely uh, and if we can have more deeper richer gospel convictions about who God is yep. and uh, who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and the fact that Christ is coming back um, those, those things will shape our behavior and affect the way we think and, and how we speak and how we interact with other people convictions are just really really important aren't they I'm very couldn't 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 put it better myself and of course our convictions as Christians come straight from the word of God mm. the Bible is our authority yep and uh, and so we want to base our life on God's word and and that's why we love the extras because we you force us to go back to the Bible yep and uh, wrestle a bit harder and make sure that we are getting what we say from God's word uh, directly um, and so thank you for your questions indeed uh, it's really great for Sam and I and hopefully uh, the, as we uh, go through this podcast and answer your questions this is going to be helpful for mm. you too so let's dive in mate yeah um, we've got a few questions for today and uh, one of the questions actually doesn't come from Romans it comes from Habakkuk yeah uh, well, chapter that, that two. comes from Romans well thanks thank you okay I was yeah. getting there but uh, okay. yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to build the suspense uh, mate. Yeah, okay. anyway, so whatever whatever <laughs> so we read uh, from Habakkuk chapter 2 on Sunday in some of the services, and uh, yep. it's quoted in Romans 1.17, yep. but we didn't have time to really address it uh, sure. in, in the sermon. And so the question came very helpfully, please address the Habakkuk passage uh, mm. this week in the podcast. What's its relevance to Hebrew, uh, to, Hebrews, to Romans? Uh, what's its relevance to us today? Yeah, great. Thank you to the person who asked it, because um, you, you've done exactly 
exactly what I was hoping would happen <laughs> in that uh, there's not always room to say everything on any given Sunday and uh, so thanks for following up and I'm glad. So this allows me to put back in the bit that I ended up taking out um, to, to, to uh, make sure that we had time for everything on, on Sunday. Um, yeah, the quote comes from Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk's a, a cool little book, uh, three chapters long in, at the very end of your Old Testament and uh, not too hard to sit down and read. Once you find it. I mean, what? I struggled on Sunday to get to Habakkuk. Right. Where is this? That's right. It's tucked in that, in that sort of back bit of the Old Testament well, that we're not as... Fifth last, I think. That's I right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so it's worth you taking some time to read the three chapters. Um, they're, they're short and... Um, there's a sort of central idea to the book of Habakkuk um, that Habakkuk is is a, is a prophet of God, um, and um, it's the book functions as a, as a dialogue, I guess, between Habakkuk, who's got some concerns, hmm. and God, who is addressing those concerns. And um, the quote from Romans comes from the second of those um, concerns that he puts three um, complaints to God, and God gives him some answers. It's from the second one of those. Um, helpful to understand the whole. Um, the first one is Habakkuk's looking around at Israel and thinking, wow, Israel are pretty wicked. Um, we're supposed to be the people of God, but we are not living like it. And so he turns to God and he says, God, what are you going to do about that? Um, I'm, I'm concerned about this. Um, I'll wait for your answer, God. And then God says, yep, I've got an answer for you on that. And my answer is that I'm going to send the most wicked nation on earth, the Babylonians, and uh, I'm going to bring them in, bring their army. They're going to destroy and uh, kill a bunch of you. And uh, that, that probably wasn't what Habakkuk was looking for, right? Precisely. No. Yeah. He, um, so Habakkuk freaks out a little bit there. And um, it's interesting that the, the nature of his freaking out, though, is all around the fact that he's like, hang on, God, surely you wouldn't pick someone who's more wicked than us to, to judge us. And so chapter 1, uh, verse 13, he talks about this. He says, why are you silent while the one who is wicked, the, the Babylonian, swallows up one more righteous than himself? So Habakkuk's working in the in the sense of, look, they're a, they're a, we're sort of wicked, but the Babylonians <laughs> are really wicked. How could you use them? Mm. And it's, that's his second complaint to God. And then God's second answer comes in chapter 2, the bit that our quote is concerned with. Yep, yep. And um, God says, yep, you're right, but let me let me give you something to write down that will only make sense at the end of the end of the ages, in the age to come. And, uh, and his answer is, look, I know that the Babylonian is proud and puffed up um, and he's without integrity. And don't you worry, I'll deal with him. But you, Habakkuk, you need to learn that the way that you get right with me is not by being more wicked, or more righteous than, than them. Or it's not a comparative basis. It's, right. it's all about faith. Um, okay. The way to be right with me, and this is the quote, chapter 2, verse 4, is mm. that the righteous one will live by faith. Um, or or um, some versions say faithfulness, which is just the exercise of faith, the, the trusting in God. And uh, But he says that'll all make sense later down the track. So in the midst of judgment, the yes. righteous will still live by faith. That's, that's, that's right. Habakkuk's message. That, yeah. well, that's God's message to Habakkuk. Thank yep. you. Yeah, the um, message of Habakkuk's. Yep. And then now Paul picks up on this. Now it's interesting. This is his most quoted bit of the Old Testament. He quotes it in Galatians. He also quotes it in the book of... Well, actually... If you attribute Hebrews to Paul, maybe not. Maybe it's just two times from Paul and one from the that, author that's of Hebrews. Podcast, yeah. We'll deal with that in another podcast. Right? <laughs> Ask your questions. Uh, like that. <laughs> Who wrote Hebrews? Yeah. Um, it's certainly the New Testament quotes it three times, a highly quoted passage, and it's to pick up this idea that um, God's purpose has always been not that you have to just be better than someone else um, and that those God will just take the cream of the crop. No, 
God takes those who trust him. The righteous will live righteous by faith. Will live by faith. And, uh, and, and it's all in the context of as the judgment of God is poured out, and this is where we're about to go in Romans next week, next Sunday, um, the, the very next words of Romans are for the wrath of God is being revealed even now um, as God um, begins his punishment on, on the earth even now. And it's, it's a very similar context, um, perhaps even more scary than the Babylonians coming to Israel, is the wrath of God coming to the earth. And, uh, he's, and it's just a reminder, don't worry, nothing's changed. The righteous will still live by faith. And it's interesting, isn't it? In Romans, we're going to see this a lot, I think. Uh, my mind goes to Romans 4, where Abraham lived by faith. Um, it's kind of, no, at one level, there's nothing new uh, in terms of the way that God's people have to relate to God. Mm. It's always been by faith. And Romans keeps saying, yeah, remember the Old Testament? Um, yeah. it's, it's the same now kind of thing. That's, that's exactly right. There's, a, there's an old quote. Um, it's hard to work out who to attribute it to, but it's from at least as early as the, the 4th century, potentially... Um, it was uh, our friend from the 4th century. What's his name? Um, Augustine. Augustine, thank yeah. you. Um, but we're not, we're not fully sure. But he has this light that the, the New Testament is like God shining a light on a dark room. You know when you're in a dark room and there's mm. the furniture's all there but the lights are off and you're sort of bumping right. into things yeah, and you're sort that. of yep. getting a sense of what it is and then the gospel comes like turning a light on in a dark room and you see everything that was already there and laid out but now you have the eyes to see it clearly Um so the dark room is kind of the Old the Testament. The Old Testament. Right. It's all there. All the pieces are there, but you're just bumping around and finding your way. And then all of a sudden, the gospel, the gospel light comes and shines. And then you see it all clearly as it is. Um, Habakkuk 2 lays out this principle of um, salvation by faith alone, which comes to total clarity in, the, in the, this new age that we're in. And, and Romans is big on this theme of we are in the new age, the age, of, uh, the age that was always promised by the Old Testament. So in the book of Habakkuk, the righteous live by faith in the midst of judgment. Yep. Uh, and in Romans, the righteous still live by faith in the midst of judgment. And that's highlighted for us in chapter 1, verse 17. And uh, you've been saying, Sam, that 16 and 17 are the, kind of the key mm. title verses for Romans. And we're going to see this unpacked. Absolutely. We're going to uh, dig in into a whole lot of details. So the first part we're going to dig into is the coming wrath of God. And then we're going to see how the righteous live by faith in light of the wrath of God. Awesome. Can't wait. Okay, let, let's go back mm -hmm. uh, to 14 now. Yep. Um, now, there's, there's Greeks yep. and there's non-Greeks or, or barbarians. Yep. Um, but this letter is written to the believers in Rome. And so why does yep. Paul keep talking about Greeks and barbarians who are in Rome? Aren't Romans in Rome? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Help, help. Good question. Um, the... Greek and barbarian here are not so much terms to do with ethnicity. Um, barbarians were never an ethnic group. They're, it's a cultural reference here. Um, and it's, it's, it's not a very nice one. No, no it's, it's, it's a, <laughs> barbarian's a derogatory term. Yeah. Um, comes out of, originally the word came from bar bar. It's sort of how foreign languages sound to you and you, you sound very ugly. Barbarian, that's where the word began. But it came okay. to mean. Um, and, and you can see this attested in various um, texts in, inside and outside the Bible. Um, it, it was a term of derision, um, mm. a derogatory term, uncouth, uncultured, similar perhaps to what we would say, bogan. Right. Yeah, it's that, that idea. Uh, Greek, likewise, um, yes, they, they were a nationality of Greeks, but don't forget that prior, prior to Jesus coming, uh, the, the, the most previous big superpower was the Greeks. The Greeks. And they, their influence and their culture had spread throughout 
um, the ancient world mm. and uh, perhaps in a similar way to perhaps the British Empire you know they're, they're no longer the big power in the world but their their imprint culturally is everywhere now it, in terms of so we're in the first century um, when Romans is written yep it doesn't really become particularly um, Latinized um, for another 300 or so years. Um, it's, it's a Greek-speaking city. They, they are the emerging superpower, um, but they, they all speak Greek. And in, it makes sense. This letter was written in Greek, okay. even though it was written to Rome, yeah. in the same way that English is sort of the, 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 the lingua franca at the moment because of the dominance of the British Empire. What it'll be in 300 years' time, well, that remains to be seen as to which nation becomes the emerging superpower and uh, which which language um, will become dominant. And so that's why he writes to to Greeks and to barbarians, because in Rome, you've got the cultured and the uncultured. And Paul thinks, what a fantastic opportunity. I can speak to all these people, all Gentile in the one place. Uh, I can't wait to get to Rome. And, I mean, it's not that... I mean, you, you said barbarian, the non-Greek, is a bit, is a bit of a put-down term. Yes. Yep. And yet, actually, Paul's obligated to him. So he's, he's not saying it negatively, i.e. No, I don't no, like no. these people. No. Actually, I love these people, and I, That's I right. really, but really want to preach the gospel to them. So precisely. I'm, I'm not having a go at him. It's just, no, he's just using the term yeah. that, that, that the culture uses to say, look, I'm, I'm here for all types. Nice. Um, I'm, I'm coming for yuppies. I'm coming for bogans. Jesus loves them all. And uh, I, I want to I want to see them saved. So it's not it's not having a go, but yeah. but we need to get our heads into that cultural element to understand the point. Okay, that's that's very very helpful. That's very helpful. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to skip back to 17 again. Sorry, I could have done this in a slightly different order. That's um, okay. But uh, 17, there's another little phrase that kind of mm, not sure about. Yeah. Um, it, it's the phrase by faith from first to last. Yep. Or um, uh, what's another translation? From, from faith to faith from is how faith the, um, the Holman puts it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you you, um, you highlighted a couple of ways that we can understand this, but the, the questions yep. come in. Um, could this be referring to the fact that we are saved firstly by faith, the faith of Christ, and then by putting our faith into Him or into His faith? Um, this uh, the question asks. This this fits with. Uh, Jesus' prayer in Luke 22, where he prays in faith, uh, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And so are we putting our faith in Jesus' faith? And and could that be what verse 17 is talking about? Yeah. Yep. Um, That's a great question. I love that someone is just thinking and uh, trying to to make make sense of what's there and trying to read scripture in light of scripture. In context, yeah. Lots of good things to to appreciate there. it, there are a few different ways that this verse has been interpreted um, uh, by by various commentators. Um, the, the problem with each one of them is that you have to sort of bring something with you in order to understand it, um, to, to make sense of the phrase in that light. Um, so now, that that is certainly true. Jesus is faithful. He does trust his Father, yes. um, and we are saved by putting our faith in Jesus. Uh, that that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Jesus wasn't faithful, then yep. it, it's all We'd be in trouble. Yep, that's right. It's all no good. Um, but generally, the clues are in the text themselves. Um, Paul Paul will give you that clue if if that's um, where, where you're meant to look. Um, so while that's not untrue. I think a, a better uh, way is just to say it's, it's an emphatic um, nothing but faith. Uh, faith from start to finish, uh, just all by faith. 
rather than trying to read anything particularly into it. Now, I could be wrong on that, mm. um, but yeah, of the four or five different options there, I think probably the simplest one is the best. Um, and, and again, Paul's context is, is Habakkuk. Um, that's where he's about to say, he says, for, it is, for yep. just as it is written, yep. um, the righteous will live by faith. And Habak- the point in Habakkuk is, the only thing that's going to help you in this situation of coming wrath is just faith, faith, and faith. That, that's, that's all you need. Um, so I think that's perhaps a better way to read it. But, but I want to acknowledge that I, that I could be wrong on that. And our questioner could be right, but I, but I think it's better to go that, that way. And... Uh... I mean, you've been saying again that 16 and 17 are kind of the title of what's to come, the yep. summary. And so I guess one way that we can kind of keep wrestling with this is as we keep reading Romans to yep. see where Paul takes this idea of righteousness and faith. Yeah. And does he take it to kind of the righteousness and faith? The, the, of, faithfulness, the faithfulness of Jesus. Faithfulness of Jesus. And then in our faith in it. No, and, and then the answer to that is he doesn't. Right. Um, yep. And so it's good. To, we're going to come back to faith. Um, really, it's going to be ex- expanded on significantly in um, chapter 4. Yeah. Uh, when we look at Abraham, Abraham and we look at David and the point of chapter 4 which again chapter 4 is expanding remember that this is a, a, it in summary mm. we're going to get it in expanded form yeah. chapter 4 doesn't go to Jesus was faithful and then you put your faith in him although Jesus is faithful and we do put our faith in him mm. but chapter 4 goes to nothing but faith yeah, um, nice. no works no obedience no law none of that helps it's faith and faith alone and that again another little pointer to say perhaps that's the way to understand verse 17 so if I just zoom out um, just as a bit of a tangent Sam yeah uh, when there's something we don't understand in scripture yep um, context is king yep uh, and uh, perhaps the, the first place to go is, is within the book itself or the letter itself is that that's right? right yep um, and then perhaps go outside of of that book yeah, so, is that kind of a good strategy? That's helpful. I mean, I'd probably add something to that. I'd say go within. The, so read read the the immediate context of the the letter or the book or whatever it is that you're reading. Yep. But also look within. And this is something that we're getting people to do in their personal Bible reading. Look for um, allusions or quotes to the Old Testament. Second, yep. um, see how, how does the Old Testament context then shine light on it. Nice. And then if, if you're still in the dark, then <laughs> Which is possible. The, the rest of Scripture um, is, is the next place to turn. Yep. So my first thing would be Romans first, Habakkuk second, nice. and let that trump perhaps Luke 22, which yep. is in the, que- uh, in the yep. question. Um, yeah. Not to discount Luke twenty two. No, we like Luke twenty two absolutely, but <laughs> but that guides me in my interpretation because I, I go immediate context, Old Testament context, nice. rest of the Bible. Thank you. That yeah. that's very helpful as a as a principle for Bible reading, guys. That's yep. great. Thanks, Sam. Okay, uh, we've got one more question, and uh, this is a ripper because I love the heart behind this question. Mm. Um, how can we approach telling people about Jesus when most people don't think they need saving mm. um, because the gospel is about a save but most people think oh, I don't need saving yeah. I'm not down a mine or you know yeah, yeah that's right out, out to sea or whatever yeah um, so uh, I think we want to think theologically about this question Correct. and practically how Correct. do we because this, this is all of us I guess not most of us is when we have gospel conversations Jesus died to save you yeah what are you talking about I don't, I don't need saving that's right. Get, get, help us out, Sam. I mean, that, that was my point. I, I think I made that point exactly on Sunday night to say we have to wrestle with our culture mm. on this because our culture is not thinking in these categories whatsoever. And mm. so we are bringing in alien categories to them and we need to help them help them wrestle. And I love the question saying, look, how, how do we do that? Yeah. How do we approach that? Yeah. 
Um, I think there's a few things to, to say. Um, you, you, on salvation generally, you won't reach out for a saviour until you realise there's a problem. When do you put your hand up when you're drowning in the beach? It's when you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to sink. Yeah, yeah. You don't tend to put it up before that. Um, and so we've got to help people see that, that they're sinking. Um, okay. And that's not just that they're having a hard life or that they're, you know, that there's problems or whatever. It's yep. that they are under the wrath of God. And so theologically that begins with we we mustn't be afraid uh to proclaim the wrath of god Um, now again that's something that our culture doesn't want to hear anything about Uh, but we we need to theologically proclaim the wrath of god we need and that's where paul's going to go for the next three weeks and if you want to learn about the wrath of god don't miss church for the next three sundays as we dive deep into the wrath of God yep. um, and uh, help people see the problem at hand uh, that Jesus is um, God's gracious solution to. So, mm. so that's firstly, I think, theologically. we. Um, how, how do we do that in practice? I mean, that, that, that's a tricky concept yeah. for, the, for our kind of post-Christian age. Absolutely. Both, both that there is a God and that that God might actually be upset with you. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, uh, a few things. Um, firstly, I think um, begin with yourself. Um, I think as, as acknowledge that, you, that you're a sinner and uh, that God is your saviour and help them to see through your story how you came to the place where you were convicted and mm. uh, yeah, shown that, that you were a sinner and you needed help. Um, our culture loves the power of stories. Yeah. And one of the great things um, that each Christian has is a story. Um, and so whenever I give my testimony, I, I talk about that fact that I never realized I had a problem with God and it wasn't until I, I came to church, started reading the Bible, that I realized I, I did have a problem and the problem was me. Yeah. Um, and that that's just a little line in my testimony that whenever I'm sharing it, I tend to put nice. in there. And nice. I think that you can start with that. Um, the second thing to say on that front is that it, it'll mean that you need to start your gospel presentation to your friend a lot further back than Jesus. Um, so we, we say at church, look, we're all about Jesus and the real hope that he brings. But if you start with Jesus, you, you're speaking into a worldview that they really don't have much to work with mm. um, because of the erosion of the, the, the sort of more biblical um, roots of our culture that, that's just disappeared over the last... Um, 50 years there are still little echoes of it around mm-hmm. the place but on the whole most australians don't have a biblical worldview yeah 50 years ago um 1959 um or 60 years ago, yeah um billy graham could come to a nation that predominantly believed in god predominantly understood that they had a problem and were sinners um and could speak one message, which is that God loves you and is willing to forgive you and has done so in Jesus. He could just start with Jesus and they came to Christ by the thousands. We can't do it that way anymore because you say Jesus has come to forgive you and they're like, well, I don't need forgiving. Mm, that's uh, it. So we've got to begin much further back, even at um, the, there is a God. Yep. And that God made the world and as the maker of the world, that God um, has authority over those that he's made. He set a standard of his holiness and his righteousness. Um, and, and all of us have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that gives us a problem. All of that's got to be established before I can turn to the good news of Jesus, which is that God loves you and he sent his son for you and he's going to forgive you. And so all of that needs to be put in place beforehand. That, that kind of sounds pretty time consuming. It sounds like I'm, I'm not going to be able to pull this off in a two minute text or a conversation or you know a, a short text. You're saying there's a lot of work 
almost to be done before we get to the gospel or to Jesus, is that right? I think so in terms of worldview communication. Mm. Um, and, and a few things I'd say. That one of the reasons we run Introducing God over a number of weeks is that we, we don't begin week one with the death and resurrection of Jesus. We right. begin with the creator God. Right. And we, we try and put that piece of the puzzle yep. in place. And then we try and put the, the fall of humanity in place and your problem in that and the judgment of God. And then we move to the... to the Like week three. Week three is when we actually get to, to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, and so in terms of how do we tell people about Jesus, um, what you're saying is um, it's going to take time. Yep. Um, and we need to kind of give people the framework to understand Jesus and his salvation. Mm. Um I'd add. I guess the thing that I'd add to that um, is that undergirding all of this is the the, the 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 truth that people will never come to this realization apart from the Spirit of God. Okay. And and in fact, we're going to get here in a few weeks' time in Romans, Romans chapter three. There's this little phrase that in that whole you know that big long list of how no one is righteous, not even one. Yep. All have turned away. One of the things that Romans chapter three says is that there is no one who seeks God. Uh, which if you stop wow. and think about that, we think, oh no, I've got a friend who's a seeker. Yeah. I've got a friend who's looking. Yeah. God says, no, you don't. No one yeah. seeks God and uh, all, all have turned away. And so the only way God is going to draw is, is if he is already at work. If, if someone is seeking, yep. it's because God has started a work in them. Nice. Uh, but in order for them to come to God, they've got to go, they've got to see just how far away from God they really are. And so for us and our end, the answer there is um, that that we pray and we ask that God's Spirit does it, does His work of revelation, opening eyes, illuminating what the Bible says, particularly on the doctrine of total depravity, that that everyone is a sinner, um, and and with that piece of the puzzle in place, they will then be able to see the glorious and wonderful light of Christ. So before we talk to people about God, yep, we've got to talk to God about people. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so prayer is so crucial in yep. this because we are fighting a spiritual battle. Yep. Um, without the work of the Spirit, people aren't going to understand their spiritual depravity, their, their spiritual yep. lostness, blindness, yep. Uh, yep. danger of, 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 of hell. Mm. Um, and so how do you approach people? Well, talk to God first mm. and then go in and... As you said, Sam, given given the bigger picture, the worldview, the, there is a God, a creative God, a holy God, yeah. and we don't measure up. And then, and then put it to them, I would say. I mean, you, you want to put it in worldview terms, but you, then you also want to put it in personal terms. So in light of that God, do you think God would let you into his heaven? Do, do you think that you're okay? I don't think I'm okay. Do you think you're okay and why? Um, mm. That's going to help you to have a very fruitful discussion around... Uh, um, What's the basis of being right with God? Because what what do most people think, Sam? If if, uh, if if asked, you know, why would God let you into His heaven? What would most people say? I think most Australians. Now, again, there's exceptions to the rule, mm. uh, but most Australians would say, yeah, you know what? If God's there, He probably will let me in because yep. I'm not too bad. Okay, I'm better than most. Yeah, um, I've not done anything really, really bad. Um, and so I think I'll be okay. And God, God couldn't be that angry with me. I think we think that um, a lot of that is is um, fueled by double standards, by by not seeing ourselves um, that, that we hold others to standards that we don't keep ourselves, um, and, and an ability to to sort of um, convince ourselves that we're we're actually doing better. Um, but it's also bottom line, we we don't have the same standards as God. God has a 
standard of purity and holiness and perfection uh, mm. that comes out of his, his righteous character. Um, and we have a oh, 51% is pretty good. Um, <laughs> Above average, that's I'm, good enough. I'm doing all right. Um, Please get degrees. And God on. says no. Yeah, uh, and again, we, we so that's that's the um, now again there are people who don't hold that view. There are some people with terrible self esteem who are just feeling awful about themselves all the time, mm. um, and we, we want to deal with each individual as they come, yeah. um, and uh, not not deal in generalizations. But I think there are generalizations you can make. Yeah, yeah. Mate, that's really really helpful. The righteous don't live by works or goodness. The righteous live by faith. Faith. There you go. Friends, thanks for all your questions this week. Thanks, Sam, for uh, giving us some gold there and pointing us back to the scriptures for answers. Uh, This week, we've alluded to it a little bit, but uh, this is a big week for us. This is the back end of Romans chapter 1, the wrath of God. And um, in fact, it's so big, this passage, that we're going to have a crack on Sunday and then we're going to have a crack midweek next week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So um, help us, uh, give, give us a bit of a teaser, Sam. What, what's to come? Yeah, um, Paul is, is going to say that God's wrath is coming even now. It's coming in the future, but it's, it's actually already yeah. begun. And part of the way that that's happening is, is God hands us over to our sinful desires. Um, and as we look around at the world and the mess that it's in, and even the mess that our own lives are in, that's, that's evidence um, that we are already under the judgment of God. Mm. Uh, it's already being revealed. It's not a future tense. It's, it, it, it is being revealed even now. Um, one of the areas where this is going to hit us is, is in, the, in the area of wrath and the anger of God. That, that's, a, that's a countercultural idea. Yeah. Uh, the second place where this is going to hit us is that Paul uh, looks down the barrel of our sexuality and our, our promiscuity and our, um, our failures sexually, um, and he's going to say that that is... Um, is high evidence of um, of our rejection of God, and that God has actually given us over to that as a as a taster of of the wrath that we are under. And so, um, he's going to talk about uh, all kinds of things. He's particularly going to focus on um, same sex uh, sex, uh, homosexuality, and uh, that's something that we're going to have to um, consider and address. And again, that's something that's going to put us um, on a collision course with the culture around us. And because this is such a, to- a hot topic, yep. um, we really haven't got time to deal with it all on Sunday in the sermon. Yep. And so that's why we've put on some hot topic nights next week. That's right. Um, to deal particularly with the issue of, of homosexuality. Is that right? That, that's exactly right. And so on Sunday, we, we'll, we'll run, we, we want to keep big picture and understand the argument that Paul is making about the wrath of God because that's the centerpiece of the passage. Mm. Um, but we want to acknowledge, look, there's this whole piece here around homosexuality um, and we've got to do some careful work in that. More than a three or four minute aside in, in a sermon is going to have time to do um, effectively and so we're, we're taking a whole night we're inviting growth groups to come if your growth groups on a Tuesday come on a Tuesday if your growth groups on a Wednesday come on a Wednesday if you're not on another night pick a night and come together and if you're not in a growth group yeah come yeah, anyway yeah, that's exactly right um, and uh, we'll, we'll do our best to, to work you through both why do we, why do we as a culture um, sort of take offense at this idea why yep. do we find this hard and yep. then but then at the same time once we've done that we want to look at um, why can we still have confidence in this part of God's Word and how, how does this actually make sense of the world that we currently live in? And there's going to be a chance to kind of interact with the text, interact with the cultural critique and yep. uh, ask your questions. There's going to be a panel at the end of the night. Yep. Oh, 
I think this is a very, very important night that you need to plan to be at. I think so. Uh, I'm not just talking to you, Sam. I'm like, planning to be there twice. <laughs> Please, I want you there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, listeners out there, um, yeah. uh, do whatever you can to get to these nights. These are such important topics. And uh, we need God's word to be spoken clearly on this. Mm. And we need to understand his word, but also understand our culture and ourselves, I guess, our, our, our cultural biases. We, we are products of our own culture, and sometimes yeah. we don't even see that. And that's important for us to wrestle with even before we come to what does the text mean. Yeah, okay. So it's going to be a big week. Read ahead. Read Romans chapter 1, the back end. Uh, please come on Sunday. And please plan to come either on the Tuesday night or the Wednesday night with your growth group uh, to interact more with uh, the wonderful message of Romans. Mm. I think that's it for this week. That'll do. Sam, thanks for your work. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Okay, see ya. Bye.